than bubble. I'm, I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. The NBA is consuming our lives. We go in-depth on teams and look at the race for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. I learned it's called the Championship Weekend for the PGA, and we are watching every shot, every swing this weekend, giving you everything that's happening. Follow us on our socials. Check that out. And we wrap up the episode with some interesting MLB discussions. Those short spurts, the streaks that they're going on are very important in a short season. Remember to stay plugged into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. You can even get us on your Alexa devices. If you're bored at home, just say, Alexa, play Burst Your Bubble podcast. Then remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyler, we are headed into... Uh, what is, I don't know the the formal term. What is it? Masters weekend. Uh, so it's it's championship weekend. It's championship weekend. Yeah. So we're headed into championship weekend uh, episode on Friday. Yesterday was a great day of golf. Tons of tons of coverage. Tons of great coverage. I saw you had multiple tweets about that. Let's let's hear your your take on uh, on how ESPN has handled this Masters tournament. All right. So they have absolutely dominated this major tournament. Uh, so much golf. It seems like every single shot is being shown. It seems like not only are we seeing three foot putts, we're seeing, you know, the shots that lead up to those three foot, three foot putts. And it honestly just seems Josh, like a very mature golf broadcast. It seems like adults are in charge with creativity and uh, CBS needs to terminate a contract out of respect for this tournament, out of respect for all the tournaments for the rest of the year. Um, and actually PGA Tour Live is moving to ESPN full-time in 2022. So that's something to look forward to, absolutely. Um, but, I mean, until then, CBS just needs to opt out. I mean, the, it happened with Fox and the, and the U.S. Open, so it, it needs to happen here. Yeah, they're doing a wonderful job. Uh, what I really like about this is how they have it set up on ESPN+, Plus, where they show the feature, like, you can watch just the main broadcast, or you can go into the two feature groups. And I love that option because, uh, as you know, I had my four picks going in, and one of those picks was John Rom. So who have I been following all day? John Rom. I didn't watch the normal, regular broadcast. I watched the feature group with John Rom. So it's, been, it's allowed me to tag along with uh, him, Sergio, and Phil all day and uh, track those shots and watch how bad some of these guys have played and how frustrated they get and then how, you know, John Ramos played pretty uh, mediocre today. Not a bad down the course, but definitely uh, not one that he'll want to remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Ramos definitely got to look forward to uh, during the weekend. Um, but one more thing about the coverage. It just kind of seems like – one more thing about the broadcast. Uh, when you talk about the featured group, so the PGA Tour Live, they have that every week. But the thing is, whenever those groups go off at, say, 9 o'clock in the morning – ESPN also has that secondary coverage of everything else going on in the tournament. And that's from the jump from 9 a.m. all the way until coverage ends at 9 p.m. at night. Uh, and that's what CBS is lacking. That's what NBC has been lacking. And that's what we just don't get. You know, we say all the time, why is there not golf on on the golf channel? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. There's golf going on and there's no golf on the golf channel. ESPN seems like they've solved that problem. 
Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what I was getting at, those three different options. I love being able just to watch the full coverage of what's going on uh, in the tournament. Because at any point, like if if I'm if they're about to walk to a shot that they just blasted 300 yards, I'm like, well, I'll go switch over to the main coverage and I'll watch some of these other guys, you know, take some shots in the meantime. Like there's always golf available on my phone with ESPN Plus right now, and it is amazing. Yeah. See, I pay for ESPN yeah, Plus, Kyler. I just didn't get the NBA League Pass. See, yeah, it's a little, little more affordable, the, the ESPN Plus. And uh, I, what they've rolled out this week, I don't know if it's just for the PGA. I imagine they, they, um, they waited to unveil this just in time for the PGA, the multicast, the ability to put up different screens at one time. So I've been watching the featured groups on one half of my screen and then the actual golf tournament on the other half of the screen. And, yeah, you know, at times whenever it has guys like Tiger, they're going to show all of Tiger's shots on the main channel anyways. But then you get to witness in and, and follow in on them walking on the fairways and listen in on that uh, conversation that Tiger and Rory had. Did you hear that, Josh, on the tee box? I did. So they're, they're not too keen about the MLB season, are they? They are not. They are not happy about it. But, I mean, you know, that's to be expected. You know, these athletes, they want to be uh, – we heard it from Tiger. He didn't come back until he saw – how the PGA was going to handle the coronavirus and how they were handling things. So it's not a big surprise that uh, he's not happy that professional athletes uh, are not taking the coronavirus as serious as he is. Yeah, he says one more, one more outbreak, and they're shutting things down. So, uh, you know, we'll see if Tiger's right there. Josh, he doesn't we're, – we're recording this, uh, you know, late in the day on Monday uh, – I'm sorry, on Friday. And the wonderful thing is about this, Tiger still hasn't even teed off yet. We're going to get primetime golf for the next three days, Tiger playing in prime time on all channels ESPN. He is going to be the focal point of those broadcasts, uh, especially if he continues to play well. Two under, that was his best opening day in a major tournament since mm-hmm. 20, 2012. 2012. And uh, mm-hmm. so he shot a 68, uh, 2012 he shot a 67. So, you know, I hope that he – I hope he continues to bring it, and I hope we get to watch him all weekend play at a very high level. It'd be it'd make my heart nothing happier than to watch Tiger Woods compete uh, on Sunday in his Sunday red. Absolutely, uh, and he's actually gotten a little bit lucky with the win so far. So uh, yesterday on Thursday, you know he went out early in the morning. There wasn't a lot of wind, and today there was wind early in the morning. There shouldn't be too much wind this afternoon. Um, but it seems like on Sunday, you know, if he's, if he's primed to be in the lead and go off, you know, at 4 o'clock on Sunday, 3 o'clock on Sunday, we're going to have some wind gusts there. And here's the thing to look out for, Josh, a guy like John Rahm, a guy who is hanging around that, you know, even par one underscore. With the course playing so tough, the leading score being in reach in one round, if you play well, you can't discredit anyone heading, heading into Sunday morning, especially, I mean, you know, the wind is going to be down, the greens are going to be soft. I think we're going to see some really low scores from guys out there on Sunday morning and put some pressure on the guys that are teeing off later in the day. Well, Kyler, I'll tell you one guy that I'm really watching uh, today. He hasn't teed off today. He tees off at 358, so here in just a little bit. Uh, Justin Thomas, you know, mm-hmm. opening day plus one. After all the momentum he's had, I want to see a, uh, how well and if he bounces back on Friday and what kind of uh, round he could have. Without any wind, I think Justin Thomas can make a huge push uh, back for that top spot, or not to the top spot, but to be competing for that top spot. I don't yeah, think I he's going to get anywhere close to uh, eight under by the end of the day, but it could happen. Yeah, 
I mean, it's pretty, you know, I'd say it's unlikely to say that won't happen. Um, so, uh, you know, it's pretty likely that he'll go out there and shoot, you know, six or at least probably five or six under to get into contention, like you said. Um, one thing that we've seen kind of play out over the first couple of days is uh, a lot of backup on the course. So, um, you know, last night, Josh, it was 9 p.m. here, and there were still guys on the whole 15 and 16 kind of waiting to play shots, waiting to finish out their, their round. And, you know, I don't think we're going to see quite a late a finish on the weekend as long as they get the guys out there a little bit quicker. Um, but what we're seeing here is that the course is pretty tight, but the entire venue is very, very small. It's, I mean, the, it's just the golf course and nothing extra. So, I mean, these guys are getting backed up, and it would have been insane if we had fans out there this weekend. Well, and another reason for all the backup is because sometimes it takes these guys forever to find their balls. Because oh, yeah. if you hit it in the rough, yesterday, Rory, it took him – I don't know how long he looked for that one ball before he decided it went in the hazard. They found a ball he thought was his, but it was actually someone else's. So that's another factor into this, Kyler, is, you know, how small the venue is. But then if you are – if you do have a shot that goes wide right or wide left, you're looking for that ball. For, I don't know what the rules are on how long you can look for balls. But if five other – Well, I guarantee you Rory used all five minutes the other day looking for that ball. And if you have that too many times in a row, it's going to cause you to play behind pace and get caught up to, and that causes those backups as well. Yeah, it's five minutes to, to look for your ball. You know, if you stumble upon another ball and realize it's not yours, I'm sure you get another five minutes. And, you know, then once you find your ball, you probably get, I think it's seven minutes to hit your ball. So, yeah, definitely a lot of time there could be, uh, could be wasted between shots, and that definitely does cause some backup. And we saw Ha Tung Lee, the leader today, he was suffering from that on the back nine. Um, I think that disrupted a lot of his momentum um, during his back nine. I think he could have gotten a lot lower than eight under. Uh, but a, a couple of different guys that um, I'm looking forward to watching this weekend, uh, major champions already, Jason Day, Zach Johnson, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, of course, Tiger Woods, all major winners in the past, all right there on top of the leaderboard. Yeah, no, you name you had some big names there. I'm actually very excited. So as we're uh, recording this, Day is two. He's through two. He's even for the day. Still five under. Uh, I'm really curious to see what Day uh, what he does, and a uh, Fleetwood as well. You know, he's through. Uh, well, he finished today six under, and that's what he is for the course. So he's got that lone two spot right now. Uh, and then your guy, you know, we talk about him all the time on on here for being young, Xander Shoffley. I mean, he is playing, he, you know, one of the young guys, he's already four under, he hasn't teed off yet. So definitely another one to watch in that group. Yeah, I think uh, him and Tommy Fleetwood that, you know, they're right there with each other. I think they're going to be the next two guys to really break out and, you know, either win a major, or, you know, get a top three finish. I think Xander finished third in the Masters last year. So uh, something to look for there. Brooksy, Brooksy Majors, um, a big storyline all of last year. Brooks, Brooks Kepka only shows up for the major tournaments. Brooks Kepka, you know, the, the major tournaments, the big ones, gets his juices flowing. And that's what he likes to show up for. And it's apparent, you know, the past couple of weeks, uh, the WGC goes up there and almost wins it, forces a, almost forces a playoff. And now we're here at a major championship. And Brooks Kepka, um, not only throwing quite a few shots at Bryson DeChambeau, but uh, trying to win another major championship. And, the you know, obviously the big storyline there is the three-peat hasn't been done in a very long time. And so that's what he's shooting for right here is to get that third Masters, uh, getting a repeat. So obviously a huge storyline for Brooks Kepka going in to the weekend. He, he also has not teed off yet. Uh, so we're, you know, excited to be able to watch him here in a little while. Another guy, Justin Rose, right there four under with Brooks. You know, that's a guy that 
it's not I, if you told me that he was competing Saturday late Saturday I would not be surprised that's just a guy he's a, he's a major champion he he won the uh he won the gold medal in the Olympics for golf in what was it 2016 exactly yeah so you know that's what I'm saying there's a lot of guys at the top of this leaderboard that could still have a chance and honestly I'm still holding out for my boy Colin Morikawa you know he's one under hasn't teed off today he, uh, he's two strokes ahead of Justin Thomas so I'm still all in on uh, Colin Morikawa top 10 in this tournament uh, I'm going to hold out the fact that that will happen for me and for him. So uh, look for Colin Morikawa to make some noise. And here's one thing I didn't know about Colin Morikawa. He probably would have been a little bit higher on my list going into this week. Um, I, I still think, you know, he's a little bit young to compete uh, really strongly in a major tournament, compete uh, especially on the weekend. But he went to Cal Berkeley, University of Cal Berkeley. And, you know, we talked about, you know, he competed against Matt Wolf for that national championship when they were both freshmen. Cal Berkeley is about 15 minutes from this golf course. So as a championship golfer at this major university, I'm sure he was getting quite a bit of uh, treatment and, uh, you know, uh, uh, some free rounds at TPC Harding Park, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's a couple of things I heard. Uh, uh, KP, Porter, uh, Rick, and Kevin talked about on their podcast yesterday was that the fact that he's a California kid, he's played this course before he's familiar with it. And that's what gives him another leg up because playing this California grass is a lot different than coming to playing at the city course here in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Uh, so the, the grass in California is a lot different. The play is different. And that's what's going to give Colin a leg up, I think, heading into uh, his tee off today. So I, I'm very looking forward to watching Colin play and being able to watch that. So I think he should be higher on your list, Kyler. But he is very young. He is young. That's the problem. Yeah. Him and I took two completely different career paths. He's making yeah, a lot um, of money, and I am not. Well, I mean, we kind of, him and I, you know, we kind of, we were on the same path. You know, went straight to college golf, and he just did a lot better his first season, I would say. Well, you know, sometimes that happens. I, I'd say gotta, that's the only difference, though. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. You know, sometimes it just works out in the favor of uh, someone else, and – it definitely worked out in his favor so far. Yeah, I'd say the only difference, though, is that first season of college golf. He just, he just performed a little bit better than I did. Uh, two more things about the golf tournament. Uh, Kevin Kisner just playing his ass off, getting no love whatsoever. Um, I absolutely actually haven't seen him take a shot. I think he shot four under yesterday, maybe three under. Uh, I didn't see him even take a swing. So, you know, great to see ESPN at least sticking with that, that CBS has, uh, has a stat established you know absolutely showing Kevin Kisner no love and I you know that kind of makes me wonder Josh why is that because it's not like they're just like out of spite not showing him you know it, it might be like you know we have enough people talking about it so if we don't show kids they'll tweet about it and you know that's part of what gets you know bad publicity is good publicity but I mean uh, or does kids just not move the needle for the ratings that's what I was gonna say you know you have to think which I'm a huge Kevin Kisner fan and like at least the social media stuff that you know he's he's involved he's active so you'd have to think that he has at least a, a following that would love to see him take shots. But then again, you know, some guys love the love that extra drive, love that uh, the adversity. Like uh, we saw Giannis said that he wakes up every day and has to self-motivate. He's mad, wakes up mad. Maybe Kevin Kisner's a guy that, uh, you know, gets his rocks off on self-motivation. No, he doesn't. If you know, if you know anything <laughs> about Kevin Kisner, he doesn't, he doesn't give a damn about self-motivation. He doesn't give a damn that he's not on TV either. Uh, you know, he's famous for that story. Uh, this ain't no hobby, boys. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm rooting for 
Kevin Kisner, if he, you know, if he's there on the weekend, you know, and if he wins, then no doubt they can't keep him off the, uh, can't keep him off the television screen. But remember, Josh, it was a probably what four or five weeks ago. Now he was in contention at the end of a golf tournament. They still weren't showing him. Well, tell you, he's going to be on TV this weekend uh, through two rounds. He's three under, and I guarantee you that cut is not anywhere close to that. Uh, so you, he, you, you will see him play Saturday and Sunday. Well, we might see him on the leaderboard. I'm not sure if we'll see him play. Yeah, we might not see him play, but he'll be playing. Yeah, then uh, my last thing, Brendan Todd, he is always in the mix after the first round. We have to find a prop bet somewhere that's uh, Brandon Todd's first round scores, and we need to hammer the under every single week. Oh, absolutely. This guy, it's in every week you hear his name talked about. Well, he's got a chance again. Well, he's got a chance again. He just knows how to compete, at least the first day. Yeah, I heard uh, SVP was talking about him last night. How good is SVP and Andy North? Oh, my God. I love it. I absolutely love Scott Van Pelt. Everything he does on, on for ESPN, on ESPN, I'm a huge fan of. Um, so, I mean, couldn't be more fired up. I've always loved him on the golf coverage. I mean, he's been on – he started on Golf Channel probably 15, 20 years ago now. Uh, so, great to see him coming back for the major championships as always. Uh, always love having Andy North, uh, my guy Tom Rinaldi, Scott Van Pelt. It's just amazing. I'm glad that you brought up Brendan Todd because it made me look at the leaderboard. And right under Brendan Todd – is our boy Tony Finau. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, Kyler, he's played three holes a day. He's one under for the day, four under for the tournament. He's right in the mix. And I would love nothing more than to see Tony Finau break through and win a major. I mean, this is the, like we talked about, you know, this, if he's going to break through, this is the time to do it. You know, really get his name up there on the world golf ranking and also, you know, in the, in the headlines, you know, lead sports center. You know, he, he broke the curse. He broke his, his streak of, you know, making second place and won a major championship, but also another guy that would like to, you know, erase a stigma from his from his golf game right now is Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, he, you know, came out there yesterday, absolutely snapped his club in half, just went on full roid rage right in front of Ricky Fowler, blew his mind away. Uh, and it, I, he was four under through 10. Josh, I mean, I was watching it and he was, he birdied number nine, pard number 10. He was 400 at the turn. I was like, golly, man, Bryson is about to run away with this thing. And, yeah, I think he finished yesterday at two or three under, something like that. I don't think he's – and he played, I think, decent today. He Um, went even. Shot even today. Yeah, so uh, another guy, Josh, keep your eye on him. If he he can catch the wind at at his tee time, you know, at the right part of the day, all it needs is one low score, a one, you know, one round of 63, 64, and you're right there in the top five. Yeah, and I, honestly, I was surprised that at the even score today, there were a couple times where he kind of set himself up to to get a couple birds that just ended up not really working out, uh, you know, let a couple holes get away from him just a little bit. I mean, obviously, he played bad golf. He, you know, played par golf, which isn't bad. Um, you know, 200 through the first day, you could definitely be in a worse spot heading into the weekend. Uh, I think the projected cut right now is par, uh, maybe plus one. So, I mean, he, he'll he'll be playing this weekend, and if – like you said, all he needs is one day of those 400-yard drives to work out in his favor, and he'll be just fine. Exactly. So uh, that's all I've got on the golf, Josh. Like I said, ESPN has just been dominating this coverage. Can't wait to uh, consume all of it the rest of this weekend. And um, you dread that it's going to be back on CBS next weekend. Yep, loving what they're doing with golf. Well, Collar, before we get into the NBA, do you have anything about our social media pages you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah, Josh, I actually tweeted something today. Uh, this was a take I had. 
I've bitten to a burger today from Whataburger, and there was like a diced onion on it, just like a piece of a diced onion. And if you if you bite into a burger and you bite an onion, and it's a burger with no onions, that is the absolute worst feeling. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely not right. Because I'm not a huge onion guy anyway. And so if I, yeah, no. Absolutely. So, I mean, I got a little, I got a little, you know, uh, fire back on that. I think it must've been from, from some onion fans, but uh, yeah, I absolutely hate that. So if you want to check out more fire tweets like that, and also great sports takes great tweets in real time about these games that we're talking about, about this tournament that we're talking about, about anything uh, and everything that you love about the sports world, make sure you're following us on our social media pages. Make sure you're sharing all of our posts with your friends because if you like the episode, they're going to like the episode. And now, Josh, let's get into the bubble. Well, there's just been great basketball played, Kyler. And you know what? I have to yeah, – I'll most- give I'll give credit where credit was due first and foremost. Uh, I, I'm still not uh, sold that they're going to make the playoffs, but every day you make me more and more of a believer of the Suns making the playoffs. They have played absolutely outstanding in the bubble. Yeah, I was about to say that there's been a lot of great basketball, mostly played by the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker, Dario Saric, Ricky Rubio. I mean, they've just been playing fantastic. And it's really great to see just because, I mean, we were marveling, um, you know, once DeAndre Ayton came back from his injury, from his uh, suspension, Josh, uh, you know, me and you were talking about how well he was playing. And it's great to see that he's continued this into the into the bubble. And it seems like they're going to get the eighth. I mean, at least not, if not the eighth, then the ninth seed. It, they are definitely at least putting themselves in the position for a play-in game if they're not going to get the eighth seed. Because I, I think that the, I think Oklahoma City is about to beat Memphis, and then I think Memphis is going to end up falling out of that eighth seed at some point. I actually think that the best team, the team that has the best chance to take that over is is Portland. Uh, the Trailblazers are looking very scary as well. They are playing really good basketball, which would be the Suns, Portland. If this was 2019 and you told me that the Suns and the Portland Trailblazers are going to be playing a play-in game for the eight seed, I would have told you that that would have been the most boring series because Portland would have ran away with it. But Phoenix has been playing really good basketball, so that would actually be a very exciting uh, playing series. And uh, I tell you this, though, if I'm the Lakers, I do not want to see – Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, Cam Johnson for the Suns, so they drafted him. He was I – mean, when he was drafted, you know, uh, with these young guys, you know, when there's, you know, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds on the board and you draft an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, that's very raw. You're going to get blasted for it. And the Suns did when they drafted Cameron Johnson. And he has just shown – I mean, not necessarily shown out this, this, uh, this year, but he has progressed so solidly. So he's averaging just under nine points a game over 40% from the field and just under 40% from three. And from a stretch four, that's all you can ask for from his rookie season. He's going to continue to get better on defense, continue to get better at rebounding. I am so excited for the Suns' future. But you're right. I mean, if the Blazers get that eight seed, the Suns would need to beat them twice just to face the Lakers. Um, You know, at this point, you're hard-pressed to bet against Devin Booker. I mean, I saw him today in that – or yesterday, I guess, in that Lakers-Kobe shirt. And, I mean, you know, just a young superstar like him, he's our age, uh, grew up idolizing Kobe like we did, um, you know, obviously shook by the tragedy. D-Book is special, though. And um, if they can keep the game close and it's Dame versus Book late in the fourth quarter, uh, sign me up for that. 
Yeah, that's what I'm, that's all I'm waiting for is the late game battles because that's what Dana's famous for. I was watching videos today of him and uh, Russell Westbrook going back and forth, and man, Dame is just in the fourth quarter. Dame time is a real thing. You've got playoff B, and then you've got Dame time, and Dame time is incredible. And something else about Cameron Johnson. I mean, a lot of people don't even know this name very well. I say that um, I'm not a Suns fan as much as you are. Um, but he put up 14 and 12, and he was dominant on the rebounds. Like, that was not a quiet 12. Uh, he was snagging boards left and right, led the way on the team, uh, and he led the way – he led the game in rebounds. So, I mean, yeah. he was doing his part on on the glass and even putting up 14 uh, for a rook in the bubble. This team is – I mean, it's a young team. Like I said last episode, they're a young team with a lot of fight, and it would not surprise me to see them in that playing game. Um, but I don't think that they'll be able to do – I don't think they have what it takes to claim that eight seed outright. Uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be close to, for that eight seed finish. Uh, but you, we talked, you talked about it a little bit on the last show, Josh. I don't think I commented on it. Uh, Cameron Payne. Uh, how about a resurgence from our guy, Cam Payne? How about a name, though, Cam Payne? That's Cam a, Payne. That's a cool what a name. campaign. That's that's a that's a cool name. Um, so I mean, after a resurgence, I mean, obviously, you know, he struggled in Oklahoma City, struggles in Chicago. I don't know if you can necessarily say struggles, but you know, just wasn't. I don't think ever in the right fit, and you know, finds himself in in Phoenix, looking like a very solid backup point guard. A very solid backup point guard. I, I you know, like you said, I did mention this on the last episode because he is just one of those underrated guys that's kind of flown. Uh, flying beneath the radar and I mean in this game yesterday against the Pacers at 114.99 win putting up 15 points three assists three boards I mean from your backup point guard what more do you I mean what more do you want from him he's scoring he's helping out he's being efficient with the basketball and those are the important things when you look at uh, you know what you need from a backup point guard when you're backing up a player like Ricky Rubio who I mean basically put up the exact same stat line at 13-4-4 so I mean you're just basically swapping out the same thing for same thing there and it's uh, it's fun to watch yeah, and uh, Josh, I think the Blazers right now live odds are 125 to one to make it the finals. Uh, and if you're a betting man, if you got a dollar to throw to to waste away, because if they get the first round upset, Josh, if they if they face the Lakers in the first round, and Damian Lillard can somehow muster out uh, an amazing six games, seven games, and get past the Lakers, who will they have next? I mean, the Nuggets, the Rockets. Yeah, if they can beat the Lakers, Josh, I, 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 it would be far fetched not to put the Blazers in the finals. The Blazers right now are, are one of the scariest teams in the league. Uh, no one wants Portland to grab this. Well, the Lakers don't want Portland to grab this eight seed. Every every other team wants Portland to grab this eight seed. The Lakers do not. The Lakers do not want to face Dame, uh, and and they would be crazy if they wanted to because. The Lakers are not looking the best right now, Kyler. We saw that against Oklahoma City and then last night against Houston. Obviously, LeBron didn't play. There's a lot of talk. You know, they're not playing hard because, uh, you know, they've already clinched the one seed. What's the point of playing hard when you already have that? Um, I tend to think that – I've said it before. You would think that you'd want to be playing at a high level going into the playoffs, not taking games off here. But uh, it looks like they might just be uh, getting ready for the playoffs. Did you see what LeBron said about the season? In explaining why the Lakers are struggling at Disney, LeBron said there was something going on off the court that he couldn't control and he'd rather not discuss. That sounds ominous. It does, but you have to remember here, if there's one person who knows how to, uh, quote-unquote, work, get around the media, 
that's LeBron James. And what better than to drum up a storyline after your team's kind of looking rough to make yourself look even better whenever your team pulls through, comes together, unifies the team, and then goes on to win an NBA championship. Yeah, this this is somewhat uh, reminding me of a um, you know a pretty much broken hand that he had you know in the finals after a game one of the finals. You know, just just a little bit of a storyline he may be planting. Yeah, so I, I'm not reading too much into this. Although when you're on a team with J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, Dwight Howard, I mean, I think he's thinking. talking about all of them just smoking weed all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's a definite possibility. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on in there, but I think that LeBron James is one to stir up anything he can to, to make a headline here. Uh, and What I'm the hell huge... does that mean, Josh? That's LeBron James saying that. Yeah, we and we've known LeBron James to drum up storylines uh, before playoffs, going into series. Uh, you know, if you can unify a team and go win a, go win a series, get the offense looking good, it just makes you look all the better. I don't know how this is going to unify his team. He's kind of throwing him under the bus. He's kind of saying, you know, like, yeah, we're not playing good. And I'd, I'd love to tell you why, but, hey, it's off the court, and I just don't want to discuss it right now. I, it, I don't know. Maybe there's not anything, so but. Maybe they just need to handle it off the court. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's something that the team needs to work through and that the media doesn't need to be a part of that. You know, this is for a team thing to discuss, and we need to fix it ourselves, get the hell out of our business. Ooh, Josh, and this actually brings up a great, great point I wanted to make. Um, not really a point. Uh, so everyone is zigging right now. And you know me, you know us at Burster Bubble. I like to zag. Um, that everyone's saying the bubble is perfect. Nothing's wrong with the bubble. Josh, we are facing coronavirus mindset. Um, you know, I, I've talked about the bubble mindset theory with these guys. Uh, everything seems perfect because we didn't have anything. So what is really not working in the bubble? What is really... So obviously with, you know, MLB, the fake fans or uh, just the um, no fans, you know, just the empty crowd, empty seats, that's, that doesn't work. So what's one thing in the bubble that just no one's really talking about yet, but it's going to be a storyline in, you know, say two weeks or so. So are you talking logistically? Yeah, just like kind of like, you know, I think one, one, one potential one would be like the players are bored. The players are going to get absolutely bored out of their mind in there. They're, they have $10 million in their bank account, and they can't leave a college campus, basically. I think some will get bored. I think some are just – honestly, I think some of them are probably having too much fun, uh, you know, because from what it seems like, as long as it's not people, you can bring in basically anything. Hell, they built a barbershop for these guys. You've got a, fit, you've got a pond to go fish in. You can go bowling. You can watch movies. I mean, I, there's a ton of stuff to do in the bubble. So, but going along with that, doing that for a month, going into that second month, it's like, okay, I've already caught fish. I've seen all the movies I want to watch. My room or like my teammates are starting to get on my nerves a little bit. I don't like seeing Joel Anthony's Joel Embiid's face every day. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see it, you know, getting, getting old, but at the same time, if you can bring in basically anything you want, I just don't see them – I don't see that being too big of an issue. I think you might start to see a little bit of, uh, of, of bickering back and forth, and that might become an issue. Yeah, I think that's actually why the Clippers have somewhat of, of, of an advantage. I know I was so low on the Clippers a couple of days ago. But, I mean, Josh, the thing is, part of the argument why I don't like the Clippers is part of why I love them. So, going into the bubble is basically a brand-new season. 
But the thing is with the Clippers, they never had the chemistry for a new team to begin with. So they're building chemistry, building these lineups, uh, you know, putting these lineups on the court together for the first time. Kawhi's getting in better shape. Um, that actually brings me something I, maybe Clipper fans don't want to listen to. Uh, so you might want to skip 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Is Kawhi still Kawhi? I mean, he was hurt last year. He was hurt last year. Uh, in the finals, he was the third best player on his team for 46 minutes of every game. I mean, the final two minutes, you could argue he was maybe the second best player. But, I mean, even then, Fred Van Vliet was probably better than him, and Pascal Siakam definitely was. Um, and I think the same thing we're going to see this year. We have so far, at least. He's not in shape. He doesn't look particularly healthy. And Paul George is controlling the tempo of the game for three quarters and kind of letting Kawhi take more of the tempo in the fourth. We're kind of seeing the Rockets do the same thing, but obviously, uh, you know, James Harden is much more efficient at that. Yeah, that's something to monitor is – well, I think that it's working for the Clippers right now, and that's what they're, that's what they're worried about. This is working. We're letting Kawhi get his feet back under him. We're letting him shake off the rust, kind of working through this, letting uh, Paul George take care of the load, uh, so to say. But, I mean, Kawhi put up pretty – I mean, if I don't remember correctly, I think he had points. 29 yeah. yesterday. I mean, he's still scoring points. I mean, he, he doesn't look like himself yet. But you can probably attribute a little bit of that to them not being worried about losing the two seed and just trying to make sure that he's, uh, you know, processing that load management. Obviously, in a long season, Kawhi Leonard is all about load management. And so maybe right here he's just saving his legs, getting ready for the playoffs. When was the last time we saw Kawhi as Kawhi? Like, that's Kawhi Leonard, the best player on the planet. Well, I mean, there's an, some argument to say that, you know, we saw it in last year's playoffs in a couple of games. I mean, he, he, I mean, he played very well in those playoffs last year. He did get hurt, and, I mean, obviously those teammates helped carry him to – that champ, I wouldn't say help carry him. They helped lift that team above over the top to get that championship last year. Uh, but I mean, there were plenty of times where Kawhi was Kawhi and he was playing his ass off uh, on the defensive end and on the offensive end. Uh, you didn't want, you I'd did not say, want Kawhi to have the ball last year. No, no, I'd probably, and you don't want him to have the ball this year. Yeah. I mean, he's a threat. Absolutely. He's one of the best players in the world. I just think Paul George is better than him. Um, and I, uh, I think Kawhi Leonard had, I think, you know, last year in the Sixers series, I think that was Kawhi at his peak. And, you know, since then we haven't seen it. Hopefully we do. You know, he should be as healthy as he has been since then. But uh, so the Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, that's the four, five, six. Hey, Kyler, actually real quick, I just got a notification on my phone. And I think I found the problem with the Lakers. What is it? LeBron shares an update of the team's in-bubble competition. Quinn Cook is 6-0. and LeBron is 5-1. and Is LeBron James mad that he lost in this Madden tournament? Are they competing too heavily in closed doors? Is this competition breaking up the team, fraction splitting out? You know, that, that's not being talked about enough. Um, it, Quinn Cook was trending on Twitter last night, not for good reasons. Um, if you clicked on those tweets, they were pretty funny. Uh, they were calling Quinn Cook, J.R. Smith, and Dion Waiters hot, hot garbage. And that's what they appeared like, you know, in the fourth quarter of that game. Hopefully they can turn things around. But, I mean, you know, if they don't, Josh, if, if they have, you know, Quinn Cook, Alex Caruso, Caldwell Pope out there trying to guard Damian Lillard in the first round, and that's their game plan, it's just not going to work out. Let me ask you this, Kyler. Someone posed this question to me last night. Are, is, 
the same question you just asked about Kawhi. Will Le- is LeBron James going to turn it around for the playoffs, or are we starting to see the fall off of King James? I mean, that's the thing, Josh. I, I told you, LeBron- Anthony Davis is the best player in the bubble, hands down. He is the best player in the bubble. It's just about him being the best player in the bubble, him attacking, him attacking that, using that attacking mindset on every single play. And until we see that from him, night in and night out, with the will to win every single game like LeBron has, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I see some breaking news. Well, it's not breaking news, but uh, so the Thunder go down, hit a three. Chris Paul steals the out-of-bounds pass, steps back behind the line in the corner, hits a three at the buzzer going into half. Let's go. It was pretty pretty incredible. Sorry. What's the score? Uh, 60-63 Memphis. Let's go. So hopefully we get that win, knock Memphis right out of things. Um, let's talk about the Mavs for a minute. So they continue their clutch time struggles, and I don't get it. I mean, their offense is so fluid and relying on ball movement with Luka, uh, Tim Hardaway, you know, obviously Chris Stops, all the point guards they have, Seth Curry. Uh, I mean, uh, an abundance of wings, an abundance of bigs to go out there and, you know, spread the ball around, really take good shots. And it's a bunch of different guys taking shots in the flow of their offense until the second half of the fourth quarter. And then things just stop moving. And then one of the most efficient offenses and lethal offenses of all time, statistically one of the most efficient offenses of all time, becomes the Luka Doncic and KP show. And literally no one else even touches the ball. So, you know, Kyler, this is uh, might be something that, uh, you know, we've talked about other teams with. We haven't really mentioned it with the Mavs. You know, we talked about guys never taking that fourth quarter shot late in the game. And that clutch factor, these guys are young. These guys are going to have to establish themselves as shot makers in the clutch time, but they have to be given that opportunity to do so. And so we know that the, that Luka Doncic is the focal point of this team. They're going to run the offense through him. But I think it's just as critical that these other guys are able to get some shots up late in the fourth quarter to give some of these guys a chance to, uh, to, to build that on the resume. But then at the end of the day, you have to look at your team and say, do I trust these guys to take that shot? Or am I trying to put Luka in a, in a position where he can make a play and give them that chance? Yeah, and obviously, you know, things, obviously the defense are crashing in on Luka and, and KP in that moment because they realize the, you know, the ball is going to be in their hands and the, the, the decision is going to be in their hands. But it's about Luka to trust that system that's worked for them the entire game and worked for them the entire season. And it's just him abandoning that. And it's him looking for KP rolling towards the basket. And it's KP honestly not finishing that role because he hasn't finished that role ever in his career. That's not, his, that's not what he does. That's not what he's good at. Um, I mean, obviously he's good at it, but he's not what he's great at. He's, you know, best at catching the ball in the post. And that's what they were doing all of the fourth quarter until there was about four minutes left, and they just stopped. So three minutes and 55 seconds left. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith gets, an assi- uh, gets a layup with Trey Buck with the assist, and the score is 110 to 103 with three minutes and 55 seconds left. The final score of that game is 126 to 111 against the Clippers. So, I mean, obviously, Josh, they're right there in the game with the Clippers with three minutes left, a seven-point game, and they just – the lid goes over the basket. They can't stop the Clippers, and things turn ugly very fast. Yeah, and, that, you know, that's kind of the, the struggles that they have. You know, that's, that's kind of what we talk about. I, I'm still high on the Mavs. I, think, I don't think that they're a championship team. I don't think they're a Western Conference Finals team. But they have a bright future, and that's what I'm excited about. I don't think that 2020 is going to be their year. I think that Luca is going to continue to build on his game and to continue his case for uh, MVPs throughout the years. And I'm excited to see, you know, obviously they have some really good pieces around him. And I'm excited for the Mavs in the future. I think they're in a, a very good spot. 
Well, he's absolutely my MVP pick for next season. Yeah, there's no reason not to. He He's playing so well. Uh, you know, I'm ready to see him uh, take those nicks away from his injuries, you know, kind of come back fully healthy, kind of like what he is right now, and to be able to see him uh, continue to play at such a high level. Uh, so let's skip over to the East real quick. How, how much do you have? Do you got anything on the Nuggets? What do you think about the Nuggets? Uh, I still think the Nuggets are what they are. I think that they're a scary team to play in the playoffs. And if they're clicking on all, if they're firing on all cylinders, if they're clicking, they can make a lot of noise. They could uh, make a run for the second round in the playoffs. It's not a team I don't want to play in the second round. No. Yeah, and they, and they still don't have Jamal Murray and Tory Craig. Um, so and that's what makes their depth so impressive, and uh, and it also makes their clutch lineup so intriguing. I mean, we saw Bull Bull yesterday getting a lot of fourth quarter minutes. We've seen Michael Porter Jr. turn into a superstar in the bubble. He's been getting a lot of fourth quarter minutes. I have no idea, absolutely no clue who this team plans to play in the final four minutes of a game once they get their all five of their guys back. Because Michael Porter Jr., he looks like the next superstar. And obviously he had back problems going into the draft. But how does this kid slip to the 15th pick? Well, I mean, you know, you have to look at those players around him. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, there's a – I don't have that draft class right in front of me, but uh, I'm Josh, sure – this kid's the number one player coming out of high school. He has a back injury, needs surgery for it, only plays one year, gets that back surgery. They said, hey, he's fine. He's going to, you know, need a rehab year. And, you know, teams just continue – I don't know. It's just like when you can draft – when you're the Clippers and you're drafting number nine and you can either pick – Jerome Robinson, or you can pick Michael Porter Jr., who was the number one player in high school two years ago. I mean, you just pick Jerome Robinson. I mean, you pick Michael Porter Jr. And the same thing with the Knicks. They picked fucking Kevin Knox for no – I mean, Kevin Knox. Oh, okay, hang on. You got you to gotta give Knox some time, man. See, y'all – the Knox – Knox has got – he, look, you got to give some of these guys a little bit of time to blossom in the oh, league. For sure. But that, and that's the thing. That's my, that's my number one problem with Knicks fans right there. Because they're because they'll come out and they'll say, y'all aren't you y'all are hating on Knox already. Y'all just think because Michael Porter Jr. has three good games, he's a superstar. He's better than Knox. No, he's better than Knox. He's been better than Knox since he was 16, and that's what everybody every scout has been saying since they were 16. Michael Porter Jr. has one injury that I'm sure Knox is going to have an injury one day. It just happened to be when he was 17 and not when he was 27. And I mean that ends up you know altering his draft draft stock and it's going to end up altering the Knicks franchise once again. Yeah, but it's a great thing that uh that he I mean I'm not saying it's a great thing he was injured, but it he got him into a perfect landing spot. Yeah. A lot I if I was a player right now, I would much more uh, much rather prefer going to the Mavs than the than the Knicks. Definitely. Definitely. Even though the Knicks yeah. is such a, a, a historic yeah. franchise, if you can go to the team that's winning, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, especially, you know, like especially Michael Porter Jr. go in there and be able to sit out an entire year and most of the franchise really not even realize you're on the team. Oh man, that's a that's a story for another day. That entire franchise uh we can get into the Knicks. So, uh earlier you mentioned the Thunder and two other teams? Yeah, so um uh so right now the Jazz, did the Jazz win earlier? Oh, the Jazz didn't play. The Jazz played the Spurs earlier? Yeah, right? Oh, they played them, yes. Uh, and they – I was just looking at this game. They did lose to the Spurs today, 
All right, so they, Rockets, they, Thunder, Rockets, Thunder, Jazz. That's the standings right now. So the thing about the Jazz is they rested a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donovan, Donovan didn't play. Uh, I, I don't have the list, but they sat a bunch of people, uh, you know, just for rest and little mm-hmm. sorenesses and things. So it kind of seemed like they weren't too interested in winning this game. Um, so I, I don't know what that was all about, but they are – maybe they're trying to play the Nuggets. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of what it looks like. I mean, it kind of looks like they're trying to get that sixth seed, maybe. Yeah, letting the the Rockets and the Thunder duke it out. I mean, if you're the Jazz, that's what that's what you want, isn't it? I mean, you would rather play the Nuggets than the than the Rockets. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that. I mean, give me a Thunder Rockets first round series. I, I love it. I mean, you know, I understand. You know, we could come out the come out the the short end on that on that series, but. I think that's going to be the most competitive playoff series we've seen in a very long time. Especially I think that would make the best storyline. Yeah. Uh, the Thunder knocking Russell Westbrook off, continuing yeah. that first-round playoff exit. Mm. Or, or James Harden knocking Chris Paul off, continuing Chris Paul's playoff woes. Because, I mean, that's I was talking to a buddy last night about it. I mean, the Thunder, you know, even though the Thunder, they have the best, you know, clutch lineup in the league and everything, it's still a Chris Paul-led team in the clutch and the playoffs. And even though this is different, you know, there's three point guards and there's Gallinari and there's Steven Adams. Chris Paul still has the ball. And, you know, he's just a little bit nervous. Hey, look, if Chris Paul hadn't got injured against the Warriors two years ago, sure, we would have seen a completely different. I think I don't think there's a way that the Rockets lose that series. Well, I mean, there's a way they still lose it, but it would have been, a, it definitely would have looked a lot differently. It, oh man, that it was, such a – I was at the River Spirit in Tulsa watching that game, and I just almost started crying. I was like, damn it, we're going to have the Golden State Warriors back in the finals. I was so mad. But uh, I love I love the Thunder. Obviously, they're playing today. They're playing well. Uh, the Grizzlies came back mid-second quarter. But I'm all in on the Thunder, the things they're doing. So, uh, Steven Adams, Mike Muscala, Dennis Schroeder, none of them are available. So, they are bringing a guy named Kevin Herney, uh, played 27 games with Oklahoma City Blue. Uh, played seven minutes uh, earlier in the year in a very important game um, against the Raptors, played crucial minutes. So he's in getting that four or five spot, getting some work in. And, and uh, it's good to see that they're being able to use all these bench players. Billy Donovan talked about it, how deep they are as a team. If they need to, he'd go down to 10, 11, 12 on the bench and not even think about it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what we talked about here, Josh, that, um, you know, their sixth man, that you know, their seventh, eighth man is – just as good as they're probably 10, 11, 12, man. That's, you know, could be their downfall, but it's also a part of their strength. Um, so let's hop over to the Eastern Conference real quick. Uh, you know, same thing with the three, four, five, or the four, five, six, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, um, just like that. So let's start with the Heat at the four seed, um, right now locked in to face the, face the Pacers. Um, Heat facing the, uh, it was the Bucks a couple days ago. No Jimmy, a bunch of problems. Um, you know, a very good game with the Bucks for the first 42, 43 minutes of the game. Uh, then the Bucks looked as good as I think they ever have. It was it was scary the way that the Bucks came back and played like they did. I mean, the Heat couldn't get a shot up for a few possessions in a row, and Giannis was making smart-ish plays, and Chris Middleton drained two dagger contested threes. So I mean, the Bucks continued to. You know, the more they get in shape, I, I, we may have overreacted a tad bit on the top three teams in the league, Josh, with the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks. 
um, this past two weeks watching them play. I think, you know, they're going to control their own destiny with the way these star players start playing once the playoffs really ramp up. Um, and I think they will step up. I think, you know, they're, they're known to do that, so they will. But, you know, I think the Bucs are showing that now. I think, you know, the Bucs are going to continue to assert their dominance. I think whoever gets them in the first round is going to be very, very sorry they came to Orlando. Yeah, well, you know, it's like we said, uh, and I stand by this. I think it all depends on how well the Stars play is how far these teams are going to go. And on top of that, you want your your back, your Robins to your Batmans like Chris Middleton. You want them playing well. With Giannis and Middleton both dropping 33, it's a tough team to beat. That is a very tough team to beat. Yeah, but it comes down to those uh, those secondary guys knocking down the threes, and you know they did that. But uh, and the Pacers too. The Pacers, you know, if if they get into that matchup with the Heat, and Oladipo comes in there and he's knocking down his shots and he's and he's firing at an efficient rate at a at an All Star level, man, the Pacers are going to give the Heat everything they can handle. And you know, I know the Heat have been shooting the ball well, but the Pacers have every bit of size, every bit of guard matchup and every bit of shooting definitely to match up with the Heat. I think that's going to be just as competitive a series as any of them um, and the animosity between Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren. Kyle, let me tell you, tomorrow night is going to be some fantastic basketball games to watch. The last two games tomorrow night, Suns, Heat, Bucks, Mavs. All in on that. Those are some great games. I'm so ready to watch the Suns and the Heat play. I think that's going to be a big test on both of those teams because those are two teams that are still wanting to win games. They're not sitting players, you know, they're not – those are teams who are trying to win basketball games, especially the Suns. So I'll, I want to see what these teams look like, uh, you know, when two teams are fully competing against each other. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Sixers too. So Ben Simmons, obviously with the knee injury, could be a silver lining, I think, for this team in the long run. I don't think it's that serious. I hadn't heard of the injury before. So that makes me think it can't be that serious or, um, you know, I would have heard of it more often. Um, you know, and someone else may show that they actually give a damn about this season, about this team, and hopefully that's Joel Embiid, because Josh, a lot of time watching these Sixers teams play in the bubble, especially, it looked like only one guy cared out there about the game, and that was Ben Simmons. So the Sixers better win their game today against the Magic. They better come out and win that game against the Magic today. Ooh, did you see uh, Kyle Lowry and Aaron Gordon uh, fighting? Oh, I love it. He said room 836. Hey, room number 836. Come find me later tonight. Grand Floridian 836. Come find me, AG. Bring your mask. Let's go. <laughs> I imagine that's part of the uh, that's part of the little Madden tournament you were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was. You know, they're just uh, – uh, if it's anything like back in the day, maybe they're doing some towel boxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing, nothing too, too strenuous. You know, we're going to keep everything pretty friendly here in the NBA Disney bubble. Um, I think right now the standings are set perfectly for uh, ratings-wise, TV ratings, especially in the East. Um, you know, I, I would love to see that 4-5 Heat Pacers, and then I would love to see Sixers-Celtics in the first round. Six, Sixers-Celtics first round would be a great matchup, great way to start the playoffs. Uh, I, as a Celtics fan especially, I prefer that. Because, uh, you know, no Simmons, I think, with a guy like um, Brad Stevens on our team, on our bench, we're going we're gonna to game up something real nice for Joel Embiid, especially with that incompetent Brett Brown still on the sidelines. Yeah, give me the Celtics all day in that matchup, especially with no Ben Simmons. Uh, I, you know, and then you have to make the argument, who has the easier first round, the Bucks or the Raptors, out of the Nets and the Magic? Oh, I mean, <laughs> those teams better cruise to a 4-0 sweep yeah Josh that's that is not an argument I want to have 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I'm excited about it going into the weekend full of basketball, getting ready for the playoffs, man. It's not too far away, 10 days. We are very, very close. Um, that's pretty much all I've got on the bubble, Josh. How much do you have left? Anything? No, that is it for me. I'm just, I'm just so glad that we get to break down basketball. Yep, I am too. So uh, I've just got a little bit to talk about in the MLB, a little bit about football. But first, I want to hear about um, Anchor. So tell me about it. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back, Josh. Obviously, you know a lot in the news, a lot about you know college football, a lot about NFL, a lot about opt-outs, you know, what, what college football seasons are going to happen, what college football seasons are not. I uh, just saw Washington, or Maryland quarterback Josh Jackson and five of his teammates opted out today um, as camp starts today. So, you know, things to look forward to there with the college football season approaching. I think we're going to have somewhat of a season. Uh, it starts in September, right? It does. It does. I don't know what it's going to look like as of now. There's a lot of players that are opting out, deciding to go straight to the NFL uh, or going, deciding to opt into the draft. There's a lot of players that are just saying, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm done with it. And then there's some that would still play. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting moving forward, seeing what teams are looking like whenever the college football season starts. Well, you got to think about it, Josh. If a guy has already made his money, if a guy has secured his spot in the you know, top 15, 20, 20 draft picks, you, you're insane to think he's going to go out there and play this season. Unless you're Chuba Hubbard. Or unless you're uh, uh, Justin Fields for Ohio State. He says he's going to play. Yep. So, I mean, there are some guys that still, you know, and I love it. Uh, you know, obviously I don't want any to get sick. I, I want them to do it the safe way. Uh, but I love competitors, people who are going to go out there and play. They don't care if they're the best running back in the world. Could probably go in the top five, of the, will go in the top five of the draft. They're like, no, I'm going to go ahead and go out there and give it my all to a team that, you know, has had some off-the-field issues uh, internally. They've worked through a lot of things this offseason. So that makes me have even more respect for Chuba Hubbard and the fact that he's going to play and he's going to, you know, try to do something historic with this OSU team. Yep, so I'm interested to see, uh, you know, what the Big 12 comes out with. Uh, You know, I haven't really seen their players come out with a list of demands yet that they want from there from their union or whatever, um, you know, I haven't, I actually haven't really seen a schedule yet either. So uh, I saw a proposed OU schedule uh, from Sooner Scoop. Um, and obviously that was just a proposed schedule. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. But uh, we definitely will be looking to see something uh, more concrete in the few days, next coming days, couple weeks. Yeah. Hopefully they, they go all out, Josh, with your, with your idea, you know, just mix and match. You just, Hey, if they're close, put them together, throw them in a stadium. Let's play some football, put it on TV. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, well, hell, that's what the MLB's doing. They're like, well, these two teams can't play, but these two teams can play. Let's have them. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of the MLB, let's get right into that. The Marlins are 6-1. and one. The Marlins are in an absolute tear. You know, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago on the show, that how the Miami – that the Marlins, they could come out and just kill it in the first 10 to 15 games, and they'd be looking like a playoff favorite. 
Josh, their pitching staff is the real – I mean, it's not necessarily one of the greatest in baseball, but it's, it's a pretty functional pitching staff. The starting rotation is at least. The bullpen's nice as well. The one thing I worry about with the Marlins there is their run support. They don't necessarily uh, produce a lot of runs. They did last night against the Orioles, um, but I think the Orioles are the worst team in baseball, maybe besides the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and, I mean, that was a garbage fire if you watched that game last night. But I, the Marlins are the best ticket in baseball, which is pretty ironic because the Marlins could never sell a baseball ticket. Yeah, and, we, and you know, we talked to David Sampson about that uh, months ago. And one of the things I thought was funny about this, the manager, Don Mattingly, uh, after that double double header, he said, I've got to remember who all we used. I don't know who all pitched today because they used so many people that came in for relief. That was so funny. It was, it was a shit show, Josh. I mean, for like four straight games, they only allowed two runs for like the span of those four games. And they only scored, I think, three. I mean, it, w- it was not good. It was, but like I said, the Marlins six and one. And it, that's all they need to do is just continue what they're doing right now. Continue on this pace. I, they're going to make the playoffs and they could end up being the Cinderella for the playoffs this season. Um, the Yankees too. The Yankees, I mean, not necessarily a Cinderella team. They're more of a real deal contender, but they're on an absolute tear. Uh, and Aaron Judge is ripping the cover off the ball. Garrett Cole's the best pitcher in baseball. I'm, Josh, I'm all in on, the, on your Yankees. Oh, I'm loving it. Nine and three, playing Tampa Bay today. Uh, I, I couldn't be happier with where we're at right now. Uh, you know, pitching's, pitching is doing well. We're getting the bats going. Not making a lot of errors. That's a big thing. You know, we're just kind of staying calm, cool, collected, playing where we need to, and grinding out wins. Yeah. Uh, something about the Yankees. So they say if Judge hits 27 home runs in the 60-game season, that is equal to Barry Bonds' single-season home run record. How much of a fucking shame would that be? Wait, say this again. If Aaron Judge hits 27 home runs in 60 games, in a 60-game season, that is equal to Barry Bonds' home run record. Well, I don't know about that. Let's. That's a fucking sham. You talk about a, an asterisk, that would have a – a few beside it. Let's start with an asterisk. Yeah, that's not that's not something that I want to get into on this show. I don't think that that would be a, be an appropriate comparison. I mean, obviously, but, it would be great. It would be you know just absolutely monstrous. Yeah. But way too small of a sample size to compare it to that. Uh, yeah, not not really a fair comparison. Give the give the man a chance to do it through a season. No, and the the Cubs though the Cubs are ten and two. This is what kind of what I get on that sham argument. Um, people say this may be an illusion. This may be a sham. The Cubs starting ten and two. No, this is a sixty game season, a twelve game start where you've only lost two games. That's not an illusion. That's how you get hot for thirty games, or even hell half the season, or even the entire season because this is baseball. I mean, Josh, the Cubs could turn this into 25 wins very easily and easily clinch their division. Yeah, you know, you kind of talked about this. You know, it's just a sprint. And, you know, this game is just trying to get hot, go on that 15-game run, go on a 10-game run. And then you're right there fighting for a playoff spot already right out the gate. And then, you know, you have a team that's going, we talked about it, what would be the team with the fewest wins? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the Orioles at this point, I think. Or- Orioles or the Pirates. And so if you're one of those bottom tier teams, you have to, you know, start worrying about, well, can we turn things around or are we just going to be screwed? And then, I mean, if you, if you go into that, you know, we're just screwed. I mean, what do you do? I mean, do you try and win games to like 
you because if you go out there and win like four, five, seven, eight games, that's that's not a good look at all. Uh, here's the question I have for you, Josh, before we get out of here. Do umpires need to go? Uh, were, are you a fan of the proposal of automated umpires, automated strike zone? I'm not. Uh, I, I want the human element. I love the umpires. Um, I don't think they need to go anywhere. I, I somewhat agree with you. You know, I definitely have, you know, varying, varying takes on this. You know, if you watch a full baseball game, it is absolutely infuriating. Uh, if you are a, if you're just watching from a, from a pitching standpoint, how many missed balls and strikes there are constantly, not for one team or the other, but constantly, uh, it does need to be fixed. I'm just not sure what you do there because, you know, you can't take the human out of it. You can't take the human element out of it because that takes away some of the, you know, spirit and emotion of the game that takes away, that takes away, uh, you know, Aaron Boone coming and telling, telling uh, Joe West that his guys are fucking savages in that box and he needs to fucking tighten it up. I mean, that's the best clip in baseball right there. If you get told to tighten it up at your job and you get clapped at like that, Josh, you need to start doing a better job. Oh, I completely agree. And I, but that's what you got to love about it. You know, like you said, it takes away that interaction. It takes away the human element. Those things that you just have to have in sports. You know, it just makes the, the whole experience so much better, the feeling that much better. I'm all in on, on having umpires. And uh, I wanted to throw this at you. We're talking about the teams with lowest wins right now. Uh, do you know the two lowest teams? Uh, my guess would be the, the Pirates and maybe the uh, – it's not the Orioles. Is it maybe the Royals? Okay, so they both have three wins, Oh, the two teams at the lowest. Uh, you got one of them right. The Pittsburgh Pirates are oh. three and ten. And then this one might hurt you a little bit. The next team is three and eight, and that is the Texas Rangers. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> it's not very good. The Orioles are actually five and seven. Hey. So, I mean, you know, they, they're right there under the Yanks uh, in, the, in the race. So, right there in the well, That's what I mean, Josh. You said they're just under – the Yankees and race the Rangers are only two games back of them exactly so I mean it's all still very close right now we're not too far into the season but it's only 60 games and so at some point it starts to go well you don't have that many games to catch up yeah just like the NFL you know hey hey our season doesn't start till September we're fine yeah so you know these teams are just teams to watch teams to be on the lookout for uh because the whole MLB standing could get flipped on upside down and up minutes notice and you know like this whole the whole season could end on a minute's notice josh and that's something we're hoping doesn't happen hoping we're going to continue to watch sunday night baseball continue to watch baseball and break it down here on burst your bubble i had a great time talking to you today uh make sure that if you're listening right now you retweet the tweet that you will see about this episode you share the facebook post you see about this episode uh josh quick 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 i need one guy who's your pick to win this golf tournament uh, out of the four I've already picked, if I get to if I get to redo it and pick anyone, you can pick anybody after even after what we've seen today. Okay, so after day one, if I could have anyone to win this golf tournament, uh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do it, Kyle. Give me Tony Finau. He's going to mm. break through and win it. I don't trust that man whatsoever. Um, I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. I'm going to hope – I'm praying to the golf gods. I've been praying for this for probably six weeks now that we get a Brooks Kepka bryson DeChambeau Sunday final pairing. And maybe, just maybe, if, if he wants to really bless us, Tiger Woods will be the third in that group. That would be an incredible 
incredible day on Sunday. I'd, I would love to see Tiger compete on Sunday. That would make me very happy. Uh, I just – I don't know if we're going to get it. Well, he's on the course right now, Josh, and I'm going to go watch him. Well, you have a great day. We'll talk to you on Monday. Yep, see you there, buddy.